Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Oops. <sighs> It's currently 11.25 at night. Um, I'm editing episode two and uh, kids are asleep, wife is asleep, so I'm being quiet. But um, I've just come across a perfect transition for me to get from one scene to the next where we just join. Georgie Baxter Phillips and they're examining the arse of Mark Allen Nichols and I've been looking for two days for something that sounds like a corpse farting and I've just found <laughs> and I've just found this very arse ah, another metaphor bleeding there for another metaphor bleeding there for bleeding there for <laughs> oh god it's absolutely perfect this is the highlight of my day. And action. Episode 4, page 12. Here we go. <clears throat> ah. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> hey, we've got movement. Oh, shit. No, I really like that. Was that? Oh, yeah. shit. Okay. The episode's obviously got to go off first thing, and I can't, I can't get anyone for... Angela, and I can't get hold of anyone basically, so um, they're right, okay. Then there's a little light like that, see? Now we're recording. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Uh, so Charles extract, scene one, or whatever it is. Just gonna give you a cup, um, uh, and it's really flaky with some actual food in my mouth. See if that sounds better. <clears throat> I told you, it's really shaky. I'm sorry. Hello there. My name is Joel Emery. I'm the writer and executive producer of Jackie the Ripper. I'm currently taking my dog for a walk, and you, you have just finished chapters one to five of Jackie the Ripper. If you haven't 
and you haven't absorbed the goings-on in those five episodes of season one, then please go away. It's nothing personal. It's just this making-of exclusive in association with Acast Audio Fiction Week is full of spoilers. So please leave. Um, sort yourself out. Come back with a renewed attitude. Tuck your shirt in and listen and observe how Jackie the Ripper went from page to your ear holes. Ugh. Nothing against your ear holes. I'm sure they're lovely. Jackie the Ripper obviously began in essence in 1888 with a complete and utter madman. Uh, but my involvement didn't come about until April 2020 during lockdown number one, the Joe Wicks lockdown. Um, our day job, our main recurring project, the multi-million downloaded, the award-winning, the critically acclaimed, the offensive. Stakhanov's award-winning football mockumentary, The Offensive, is available to listen to now. Described by The Guardian as a must-listen for football fans. Success, and with a break coming up in the football calendar, we were able to get on with other pieces of work. One of those pieces of work uh, is a drama that's currently being worked on by my creative partner and Bezzy pal, Adam Jarrell. He is executive producing that. He's show-running that in association with Stack. And the other project was this one. I was looking to do a kind of retelling of something and in a very uncreative move, I googled royalty-free works of literature and I found a website that this guy had made uh, that informed me of such works. Your Draculas, your Jekyll and Hydes and stuff like that. And I thought they would be interesting to retell. But the thing that stood out was Jack the Ripper. And it stood out because it was amusing that this guy thought that it was a work of fiction and it was a figment of someone's imagination um, and then that stuck with me and then 20 minutes later I said to my wife whilst we were going for a dog walk I think I've got an idea I think it's called Jackie the Ripper and I think it begins with a man's bollocks being chopped off and put in a bin outside Costa Coffee well one's in the rubbish bin the other is in the recycling next to it in the recycling you mean with the, the paper and the plastic paper plastic glass metal yeah huh that's not allowed so that's how Jackie the Ripper came about back then, but obviously, originally, it began 130 years ago. The case of Jack the Ripper in the investigation is a very complicated one. Jack is understood by most Ripperologists to have killed perhaps 11 women. There are, however, discrepancies between each of those cases. The largely indisputable murders of Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Kathy Eddowes and Mary Jane Kelly, however, uh, they are known as the Canonical Five. Now, obviously, we've switched the sexes and changed the names accordingly. The murders all begin with the signature throat cutting that Jack used to do. And then once again, with the anatomical handiwork, we made it more relevant to the male body. Um, I didn't examine the prostitution angle. Uh, there's a big reason why Mary Ann, Annie, Liz and Catherine at least weren't prostitutes as such. Um, to use a millennial term, it was kind of a side hustle. Um, it didn't really qualify as a sort of career choice. I mean, I painted my daughter's bedroom the other day, but I'm not a painter and decorator. Um, Mary Jane Kelly, the fifth of the five, is the only one you could really say was an absolute pro prostitute. Um, I've said this in a couple of interviews. I'll probably say it a few more times and I'll say it now. Yes, there is a feminist theme in our show. I only kind of intended it. I'm not the right person to tell stories about feminism, but when you come out the other end of this research and you don't have a feminist stirring within you, then there's probably something wrong with you. So that's why feminism is probably a sub-theme within our show. There's a number of themes, male pride, you know, lack of social cohesion, uh, loss, grief, all that kind of stuff. 
To add into all of that, we've also brought back the key investigators and suspects of the time. Uh, our lead, Frederick Aberline, was indeed the lead detective of the time and did used to work at City of London Police and was an expert on Whitechapel and was quite happily going about his work at Scotland Yard before he's dragged back to H Division to investigate the case. Donald Swanson was the Chief Inspector of City of London Police. In this instance we have Donna Swanson. George Baxter Phillips was the Senior Pathologist. We have Georgie Baxter Phillips. Joseph Helson was an investigating officer. We've made Alyssa Helson the forensic psychologist. Then we've brought in some of the suspects of the time, namely Aaron Kosminski, uh, Charles Lechmere, and James Maybrick was a uh, merchant at the time who was suspected of murdering some of the women. Uh, we have moved that on to PC Sally Maybrick. Oh, interesting. Paul. Paul. Guess what? What? It's official. What is it? I'm in a WhatsApp group with Joe! <laughs> That's the voice of Akushla Tara Cooper, who plays Jill Hunter. And the voice in the background is Paul Waggett, who plays detective, lead detective, uh, Freddie Aberline. As well as being very talented performers, they are also engaged to one another. Oh, isn't that nice? Hence why Kush seems to be bugging Paul first thing in the morning when he's trying to play Xbox in this voice note. I've sent out the scripts for season one. Uh, Kush and Paul have received those scripts and I've created a WhatsApp group where we are kind of going to direct remotely because Paul and Kush live in New Zealand and we don't. We just got our first voice note. <laughs> just for context, I was in bed and I got this note and I got so excited. I got out of bed and have come to the lounge to express my excitement to Paul. Because I hear him listening to your voice notes all the time and I try and listen in because they're always really funny so I'm excited to be on the receiving end now uh, in regards to the actual message all sounds awesome I'm very excited um, I think Paul and I will try have a read over the scripts over the next few days I'm on holidays as of 4pm this afternoon uh, so we'll, we'll have a read and we'll chuck any questions your way but yeah, very excited. Well, yeah. I don't know what Paul was singing at the end there. Um, sounded nice. Paul Waggett is the lead role in this. He's also the lead role in The Offensive. We've known Paul for three years. We've known Chris for three years. She voices in The Offensive. Paul voices Patrick Nolan. When it was under the eyes of all the big companies, when my agent had sent off the scripts to them, uh, we got all the usual kind of corporate big company questions like... Um, you know, what's her motive? Is this going to offend people with bollocks? Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. So once we decided to take it in-house, as they say, there was a, a roster of talent that we have on our books and all the people in the show are top of that list. We think the world of them. So um, that's how we casted. Um, there was a few other roles where we reached out to other people, but I will get onto that in part two. And hopefully in part two, you will hear less of me and more of everybody else. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. That's how we casted. Um, there was a few other roles. Do you know what's really annoying? I hate my own voice, and I'm editing this thing, and it's horrible, and all I keep hearing is my own voice. And now all you keep hearing is my own voice. Um, this is torture for everybody. Uh, but what I am going to do is pass you over to the director, Adam Jarrell, and he's going to tell you, well, yeah, he's going to tell you stuff. Just listen. Hello, I'm Adam Jarrell, and I'm the director of Jackie the Ripper. And action. Now let's have one, just one more. Yeah. Where you go and hide his, you almost don't want to say cock. Yeah. Want to take a step back? Yeah. Because you're kind of coming in from the door, you're hanging in the door. Okay. This is very quick. The main thing that we wanted was the dialogue to feel real. We wanted you to feel like you were actually listening into genuine conversations that would occur, obviously with a comedic twist. And that's what we've gone for our long-running show, The Offensive. So we just thought it's a winning formula. Why not try it with this project? What's her attitude to him? Her attitude to him is just like, get off your high horse. A little bit like, like okay. he's doing his job, but you just yeah. like, okay, yeah. Well, no one wants to hear from you. It's a little bit like that, but not too much Yeah, OK. Yeah, thanks, Officer Misen. One of the more desirable elements of directing a show like Jackie the Ripper was the luxury 
of time, something we don't necessarily have too much of in our project, The Offensive, which is a weekly show. But with Jackie the Ripper, we knew that we wanted five episodes for season one. And with some wonderful, wonderful planning from Joel Emery, we were able to spend way more time with our actors than we necessarily would do if we were doing a weekly show that had to rely on current events sort of thing. That's great. Have you a little bit closer to the mic, actually, because I can afford for it to sort of cut out a bit. I'm sorry, Freddie! Great. Now let's get all three of those lines just okay. in, on that level, if that's OK. Yeah. Because the project had been in our minds for so long, we had a clear idea how we wanted the roles of Freddie and Jill to be played. So Paul and Cush, who are currently based in New Zealand, they were able to sort of just take the ball and run with it in the roles of second unit directors, really. We kind of, we trust them both. We've known them both a long time and both Joel and I know that they knew the brief and they would absolutely get it spot on and they have done. Mm-hmm. Episode 3, page 15, Jill. A police constable discovers a body while on duty. Is that so hard to believe? I know you're playing a Kiwi. Yeah. But just, if you're a Kiwi that's lived in London for long enough, maybe you would have gone to the English constable as opposed to constable. Okay. Police constable. Sounds like a naughty word. (laughs) Because okay. const- constable sounds really weird to my ears, mm. but that's because I'm English. Mm. I don't know if Joel will go, yeah, great, definitely shows that she's a Kiwi. Yeah. Okay, I queer. Joel, up to you, but I'll give you the option. Joel Emery here again. I just want to interrupt uh, Adam, Kush, Helena, Jen, uh, to give you a little bit of this take uh, that Paul Waggett sent me. This is from episode four. This is Freddie's rant about how he feels about his uh, career as being a police officer. This is a testament to how good Paul Waggett is. He's one of the most modest people I know, so I know that he's going to be squirming if he listens to this. But this, listen to how good this rant is. This is Paul's first take. Um, I've got a small stain on my laptop screen from some coffee that came out of my nose uh, when Paul unfortunately messed up this take, which is very rare for him. Um, But you'll see at what point in the rant he messes it up. I'm just going to actually um, run right through that whole thing, kind of skipping over Jill's lines. Um, people don't people don't need to take sides for once, okay? This isn't an episode of Question Time. And God forbid we all be united against one thing. We can all be against the psychopath and with the victims and their families. All right, we we don't have to spin articles about empowerment and anti-heteropatriarchal revolutions in the police force and, 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 and bullshit analysis about how the heartless, gentrifying inhabitants of London perhaps deserve to have their sex organs ripped off and their throats torn open. I mean, quick, check the corpse, see who he voted for. I mean, if you lot think policing is so easy, where are you all? Huh? Where's the new swaths of young officers ready for an easy life, huh? Come and show us how it's done. How about you come swap out the blue tick for the blue stab vest, yeah? You're sick of us in the NHS, aren't you? Where are the new nurses? Come on, come on, nowhere. 
nowhere. You know why? Because it's blood and guts and no fucking glory and you lot don't have the nerve to do it every day. You, 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 you watch a Netflix documentary where some brain-dead moron from Alabama shoots his family and you crack the case from your armchair and you think you're a police officer. You think you know what it's like to deal with death because you saw it on your iPad whilst you shoveled Ben and Jerry's caramel choo-choo in your face. If you dealt with tragedy and bereavement and suffering and panic on a fraction of the frequency we do, you would never question our mental capacity in any sanctimonious post-grad click porn ever again. If you ever met a victim, an actual victim in real life and not a social media victim, it, it would be etched in your brain for the rest of your days. God willing, your mind would eventually collapse from the agony and give you some peaceful ignorance in your final years like it did for my dad. If you did any, literally any legwork in trying to understand rather than accuse, you'd show some respect. You'd, you'd actually care about the people behind the badge and the bodies on the street. So to answer your question, no, I don't think the police force created and harboured a psychopath to unleash on the community it swore to protect. Does that... Oh, fucking hell. So much spit in my mouth and I thought I could get to the end of that and I couldn't. I had to swallow. <sighs> Such a, it's a that's a lot, Joel. Thank you. So, <laughs> it's great. It's good. I like it. Just a lot in it. Okay. <clears throat> so Joel and I were able to turn our attentions to the other performers and the other characters and creating the soundscapes that you hear within the show. One of the highlights for me of season one as far as directing goes, was spending a full afternoon with Helena Doughty. We've known each other for a very long time, so there's an absolute level of trust between the two of us. And we were able to really bring Sally Maybrick to life. Left my phone at the station. <laughs> Typical. Anyway. I can't believe it was luck that you struggle with that when there's Kaspinski's there. Yeah. But it's okay. I'll get comfortable. We're all good. <laughs> okay. Not for me, detective. Good night. Perfect. That was really good because you got that sort of mix of like, Hmm, what's she up to? Mm. You son of a gun. The end of season one, there's some quite hard-hitting scenes. And sometimes you can get a bit carried away. It can become a bit of a party when you're directing comedy and you just, you know, you're looking for maybe certain improvs or different ways of delivering bits of dialogue. But with, with those scenes, obviously Helena gives an absolute top-notch performance. But as a director, I very much enjoyed that sort of juxtaposition from comedy, cock and bollocks, to some hard-hitting dialogue, you know, some real social comments within the culmination of season one. Now let's just keep going with that same energy, that same crying. Jackie! When I first... When I discovered the first body... Yeah, I... I saw her and, and she saw me and I... And she smiled and I... Oh, for oh, fuck's sake. Timing on that. Okay, I'll, I'll cut there. Another advantage of directing a piece such as this is that I also voice Henry Smith. So I was able to hear different takes from different actors who were in scenes with Henry, albeit remotely. I was able to sort of piece them together in my head and see how Henry would react to certain characters. Right, Henry, get me a full database on every Charlotte Tinder you can find. Let's go, go, go. Come on it, go. Let's do this, guys. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. This is Somebody a get this blue. man a computer. Lord blue, everybody. Fucking load, motherfucker. What? It's Charlotte. Tinder, like uh, Charlotte brackets Tinder. 
Yeah, so? Oh, give me the phone. Open up the Tinder app here, and yeah, if you go to his messages, there'll be a Charlotte. He's just saved the number. Oh. Uh... See, this is her profile. Christ, look at them. Look at what? The uh, the sort of seagulls behind her in that photo. Yeah, Rachel, go. come on, let's sit. What's going on? Bloody hell. I had quite a few afternoons doing Henry's dialogue and trying to find a voice for Henry as well that would suit the character. I ended up landing on some sort of hybrid between myself and my dad, actually. So he's kind of a, you know, a very sort of a Yorkshireman, I think. He's got to be a Yorkshireman. And he has been bitten by the police handbook, I think is one of the quotes from an episode of Jackie the Ripper. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Ten four. 4 The, uh, the, uh, the, the victim's DOG... Oh, sorry, that, that's dog. His, um, his dog has been found on St George's... <coughs> Jennifer Tierney had so much dialogue. So much dialogue, her character, Donna Swanson. Probably second only to Freddie and Jill, I'd imagine. This is almost. This is almost a bit. There's not. This is almost a bit flirty. Mm. But you, the, the 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 weight of the situation is still there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I know you, and I want to hear you say it. I know Jen very well. She's a dear friend, and I'd also worked with her on certain episodes of The Offensive. So it was a real joy to spend an entire evening, actually, just finding Donna Swanson and just bringing such a complex character to life. Jen did an absolutely incredible job. And because we had the time, the luxury of time, as I keep saying, we were able to really play with how Jen would portray Donna in certain scenes. We had a lot of fun. There were some quite funny outtakes, actually, because Donna's quite straight-laced. Sometimes they're the most fun characters to uh, to direct, really, and probably to perform. Teeny, tiny to this is, this is a, this is a... Quite sarky. Yeah. I'll hear from the qualified doctor, please. Then you can mansplain to me if my brain is too teeny-tiny to understand. Uh, shh. Now let's have an actual... Rather than shh, let's shush. have a shush, yeah. Oh, shush. Let's have a bit more, sorry. Longer? Oh, shush. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, shush. Okay, let's have... Sorry, this is me overthinking the funniest line. Like a tennis serve. (laughs) Oh, shush. Okay, so... Oh, shush. Okay. Okay. Oh, shush. Sake. What's going on? It's just speculation. I'll hear that... from the qualified doctor, please. Then you can mansplain to me if my brain is too teeny tiny to understand. How is me doing my job mansplaining? Oh, shush. Mr. Lechmere is a cuckold. And of course, Jen has done a wonderful job at not only bringing Donna Swanson to life, but also matching those reactions. Ah, good. What's the lab saying? Uh, I don't know. Woof? No, the laboratory. The DNA results, not the fucking dog. Back in a minute. That was the sound of a five-month-old sort of crying, laughing. Mixture of both emotions. Um, It's been an interesting day. It's the 13th of October today. um, Which means the show is being released on the 25th. Um, I'm off to pick up my eldest daughter... That was the youngest daughter then. Uh, I'm off to pick up my eldest from nursery. But um, the recordings are in. That's the latest. I've downloaded them all. 
some of the edit has been started. I've done all of Freddie and Jill's scenes because um, Paul and Kush got their lines in in uh, you know Teacher's Pet quick as possible, which is just a testament to how fab they are. Um, yeah, so the edit has started on Jackie, and today was our first day of promo, um, where we posted about all of our stuff. This was literally three or four hours ago. We posted the first bit of artwork. Um, and yeah, some really nice feedback, lots of nice things said. But anyway, uh, I got a call from Luke Moore uh, of the podcast network Stack. Um, they're longtime collaborating partners of ours. Um, and I guess he'd seen just a glimpse of the artwork in the trailer. Um, anyway, so he called me and asked if he could get hold of a script of episode one of Jackie, um, which I feel like is a suggestion that they would like to, or they'd like to think about acquiring the show, which is a big deal. That means tons and tons and tons more exposure, uh, better distribution generally, and then we get linked to um, a very high-end list of production partners, not just in podcasting, but in TV and film developers and stuff like that. We get teamed up with just about the best PR firm in this field to promote our stuff. We also get a house ad, which is an advert uh, for Jackie that would go on their network, their entire network. So that's big, would be smushed into the ears of millions of people so yeah an exciting turn of events um, on basically our first kind of sort of uh, I don't know what would you call it showing ourselves to the world that of what we're working on um, however their lead time on this project is, is shit. It's not, you know, half a year like they'd prefer. It's not even a month. It's basically... Uh, it's basically 11 days. <laughs> so, yeah, let's see if they fancy this task. Hello, mate. It's Luke. Um, just calling because I read through episode one of Jackie the Ripper. The script is absolutely brilliant, mate. It's banging. Uh, let's talk as soon as we can. I really want to um, talk to you further about it. So if you can give me a call back when you get a moment, that would be great. My name is Luke Moore, and I am the COO of Stack, a dedicated podcast production company in London. And my role entails looking after the content and creative side of the business. Bernie, who killed the Prince of Soho? Listen now. A Stack Production, available wherever you get your podcasts. Abroad in Japan is the Stack Podcast that brings you a taste of life in Japan. Hi everyone, Marcus from the Football Ramble here. We know that keeping up with all the football can be quite a tricky task, even for those at the top of the game. Wayne Rooney says he's been sleeping in his office. Yep. Diligent. Get Dedicated. some signings. Get signed. Stack are one of the only, if not the only, dedicated podcast production company in the uk so we only make podcasts we're not a podcast arm of a wider production company our um our sole uh, purpose is to make the best podcast we can uh, of lots of different stripes 
um, and only podcasts. So when I first um, was made aware of Jackie the Ripper and was sent the scripts and the idea and treatment and all that stuff, I was completely blown away, to be honest. I thought it was so funny, so timely, actually really clever as well. I ticked all the boxes that we want um, to tick in our fledgling fiction um, area of our business. And so uh, my first port of call was to just try and get out of jail as quickly as possible, really, and work out if we could, well, what, well, basically what his plans were for it, how he envisioned it working, um, what we could do to, to bring it to stack and how we could maximise its potential and really just offer what I think we do best, which is, you know, developing ideas further in some cases, um, taking care of distribution, um, yeah, and basically just maximizing the potential of the um, of the show. Um, I think Joel and Adam Jarrell are brilliant at what they do. Um, and I obviously think we're brilliant at what we do. So as a combination, as a partnership, we can really achieve great things with their creativity and our kind of now sort of experience in the industry. So yeah, my first thought was to just to try and speak to Joel, find out what further plans he had for it and how he thought it was going to work and yeah, bring it to stack and hopefully replicate the success we've enjoyed with their earlier show, The Offensive. This is Detective Aberline. Here in you, Aberline. Go ahead. We've got the body of a male on Derwood Street, Whitechapel, just behind the tube, a Mark Allen Nichols. His throat has been cut, a stab wound below his shoulder blade and... Uh... Continue, please, Detective. Yeah, she's uh, she's cut off his knob and put his bollocks in the recycling bins. Stack presents a thrilling new audio fiction. The process once bringing Jackie to Stack was then to kind of really get the whole team behind um, making the most of the show. So what that means is speaking to our partners at Acast, who can take care of the tech side of it, the commercialization of it, the further promotion of it and then we need to have a meeting internally at stack and work out things like scheduling how we want to best um, release it promote it how we're going to promote it across our other shows and our network more broadly and then also of course get to the bottom of what joel needed to yeah in terms of resources from us so um those were the first ports of call really uh, and what was really encouraging from the start was the fact that the team um, Stack absolutely loved it and they got it straight away so when they read the scripts and heard the first episode they kind of totally understood it and got it and, and the team was able to move forward in an effective way This is what Sir Alex Ferguson would call squeaky bum time um, One thing that I haven't clarified yet is um, <clears throat> we operate in a very narrow field of audio drama which means that we don't necessarily get people who are purely voice artists and we don't necessarily get people that are purely actors performers we get um a sort of a mix between the two so since pan since the pandemic lots of actors now have home studios which you know, can range from they've got a good mic to they've got all the gear, like they've made themselves a little um, soundproof studio and stuff like that. And basically, um, when you're 
show running a show like this, you're constantly aware of money because we can't compete with commercial voiceover uh, jobs. They are about uh, 250 to 450 pounds per hour. Um, we make audio drama, um, obviously as a podcast. And fiction podcasts don't turn over a ton of money. Um, you know, it, it would be weird if there was a murder in Jackie the Ripper and then Abilene says, you should use Squarespace. That's what I use to build my website. Do you know what I mean? Um, you're not necessarily going to attract those kinds of sponsors. Sure, there's, I mean, there's creative ways to get sponsors and stuff like that. Um, so our budget is a lot different to what commercial voiceover artists would expect um and i've been told that in no uncertain terms in a few emails from time to time so what we're working with are actors who have uh decent microphones and basically i wish we could provide uh you know, a fantastic fee for them. I think we do okay. We're not the best. We're not the worst. Um, but the the biggest thing on my mind all the time is is that you know because those sums are good, but they're not great. Uh, I'm always conscious of the performer's time, and I don't want to take up. You know, I don't want to take up hours of their time. Um, they're doing this for for a reasonable fee at best so I want to make sure that I just take up 10 minutes here and 15 minutes there and all that kind of thing so if you did add it up on a per hourly rate it would be a really good rate sorry this is really boring but anyway um, one of the frustrating things is and this is down to me and me alone in terms of the time frame that I'm working with is you end up in a position where you are waiting on lines to come back to you a lot of the time and Episode one has got to be with Stack and the PR marketing agency tomorrow morning, first thing. Uh, and it's getting late now. And I don't have a voice for Angela in episode one, who works behind the front desk. <clears throat> and currently, this is this is the demo that I've got. If you listen here. Detective Abilene, you're back. Hi, Angela. I'm not actually back. I just... What brings you back to the City of London Police? <laughs> no, I'm not back. That is my wife, um, which is fine, uh, but she would be first to tell you she's not an actor. And secondly, I didn't envisage... She's from America. I didn't envisage um, an American accent as for this person. Also, I plan to use my wife and her American accent in episode three, so I, I don't want to double cast in this instance. So, um, one particular actor has not got back to me, and now I can't get hold of them. And I should have sorted this sooner, but I didn't, because I didn't want to nudge and chase them, and now it seems they've gone. So, I'm desperately trying to find a performer at the last second who can play Angela and... All the other characters have recorded their lines saying it's an Angela. So it's not like I can just say, oh, it's Angelo and uh, cast the net wider for any gender. But here we are. So, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so um, the episode's obviously got to go off first thing. And I can't, mm -hmm. I can't get anyone for Angela. And I can't get hold of anyone, basically. So, um... Oh, right, okay. Um, 
have you uh have you tried Nala? I know she's obviously in Korea, but we know she's versatile and she's done so many different voices on the offensive one. Yeah. Have you tried Nala? Well I could, but it's it's really late. That's the problem, is that no one's gonna see my message until Well, well, I, I think she's in a production at the moment. So without sounding too presumptuous, I think she'll be up and probably turned down in the next half hour. I don't know. I think it might be worth trying Nala. That's a great point. That's why you're a director and I'm not. Okay. Uh, oh god so it is first thing the next morning as I mentioned the episode has to go off today to be reviewed and stuff and uh, we have a voice and the hero or heroes in this instance are Narlan Burgess and her mum Faison Burgess um, Narlan is uh, she plays Priya Campbell, the press officer. We can do a reverse image search on this. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, send it to mine too, will you? Right, yeah, reverse image. Like catfish. Sure, catfish. Slippery bastards. Got, got like whiskers, haven't they? But they're, they're sharp. It's a fake. Yeah, I knew they were. No, the image, it's a fake. Narlan Burgess has voiced in the offensive I don't even know how many times, tons of times. She's very, very talented very professional and very reliable and last night I messaged her at about 11 and she said she could get her mum to do it um, which is amazing made even more amazing by the fact that Faison Burgess Narlan's mum is uh, very talented very experienced I'm looking at her CV now we've got Game of Thrones we've got Casualty we've got what else we've got EastEnders we've got Sinbad so yeah that's it I've got Angela Episode one is done. Um, we made it. And now I've just got to work on the other four bloody episodes. I didn't swear then, because my mum's listening to this. Episode two is done. Locked and loaded. That's out in two days' time. Stack have just uploaded it, compressed it, so it's suitable for all your listening devices. Some extra performers in this one. Tassawai Yasin, who plays Umar, the letting agent for Freddy's flat. You wanted that. Your dad's wanted. Your dad's one bit flat. Excuse me. Put my teeth in it. <laughs> Then we put out a casting call some time ago for the offensive. One of the applicants for that was Marta De Silva. She hasn't been in the offensive yet, but she did audition for Jackie the Ripper for the role of Georgie Baxter Phillips, and she absolutely nails it. But look, Jackie implants her knife into the perineum, sometimes known as the hooch, Mr. Aberline. Yeah, thanks. With the same casting call that led us to Marta De Silva, led us also to Kareem Cronfley, who plays Sir Charles Warren. He was a bloody useless. I'm getting an extension from the kitchen out onto the patio. Big bifolding doors. Episode three, lots going on in this one. That's now complete. My wife finally makes her appearance. Facebook corporate communications team, this is Madison speaking. Yes, hello there, Madison. I've been on hold for quite a while. That's been sent off to stack and I'm way behind on episode four. Here we go then, episode four, the political episode. Boo! Not something I wanted to dissect too much, but the whole point of setting something in the modern time is not just for new technology and all that kind of crap, but also attitudes and the actual reality of living in Britain. Unfortunately for us, we talk about politics all the time, so an opening montage strongly hinting at the realities of being a woman at night on the street. I'm actually able to walk home by myself tonight. A big old rant from Freddie about working in public service in the modern media age. Quick, check the corpse. See who he voted I'm for. Not and if you that. lot think policing is so easy, where are you all? 
and then a montage hitting the key things that British society seems to be obsessed with. Gender wars. Fuck the police and fuck that man-hating bitch. Ooh, we're being persecuted. Women are targeting us. Intergenerational wars. And I'm telling you now, this Jackie woman, she's a millennial or a zoomer, I'm telling you. The housing market. Are you suggesting that Jackie the, the Ripper is committing these murders? to drive down the house prices in the area. Celebrity culture. And you wanna know who it was? The, the, the identity of the Ripper? Yeah, man. Please, please uh, yes, who was it? Alex Jones. And of course, being America's little brother. In America, they have guns. They go to the shops and buy guns in the same way we go and buy milk and bread and milk. He's put, he's put milk twice there. Voices there from Alan Silvan, Esmond Cole and uh, me. Very late rendering off for this one, sending it to Finn Ranson at Stack with an apology and a kissy face. Mwah. The finale, the big one, and my laptop is on its last legs here. We've got a heartwarming scene between Freddie and Jill. You got it. That's the important thing. Right. Right, yeah, yeah. We could catch up about it all now that I'm not involved with the case. I, I, I could, we could, you know. Yeah, I know. We've got a backs against the wall last gasp case building from the team. It's off English, please. <sighs> he got stabbed in the shoulder. See, oh, well done, Henry. You, Henry. You did it. We've got the chase at the end with a Titanic performance from Paul Wagger to see somehow recorded this in a small room full of pillows and blankets. Objective, do you have eyes on the target? Detective, do you have eyes? No. Negative. Henry, Henry, did you see her? Did you? And of course, the hospital scene between Freddie and Sally. Yeah. God, how long did he take the cash? Three weeks. <laughs> Three weeks. He took nearly. <laughs> he took nearly the entire collection of Emmerdale. <laughs> I mean, there was about fifty of them. It's been it's been going since 1972. <laughs> I'm currently fine-tuning episode 5. It comes out tomorrow. Stacker on standby to receive it. And I'm just waiting on one final recording from Joe Price, our voice of posterity in the show. Warning. This podcast contains explicit language, depictions of violence and graphic content. And bingo, that would be the email from Joe Price. And I will put that in the edit. And we are done. We made it. We did it. Um, it's 11.49 on uh, Friday the 29th of October. Jackie the Ripper, Chapter 5, Season 1 finale was released today at 5am. The feedback has been absolutely wonderful, so thank you for that. Um, at the time of recording this, Jackie is top of the comedy fiction charts, top of the fiction charts, and number 32 in uh, all podcasts in the UK, which is quite remarkable for a work of fiction, audio fiction, as they're not always the best performing ones, especially when they've only got five bloody episodes. I want to give you a big thank you and a big hug for listening to Jackie, if you did enjoy it, and I'm sure you did if you're listening to me now at the end of this sixth instalment, essentially. Please do leave a review. This is what podcasters do all the time. Sorry about this. I never have to do this because I write fiction. Please leave a review. Leave five stars. 
Um, let the cast know how brilliant they are. Um, a big thank you to them. Dozens and dozens and dozens of additional voices that helped me out in tight spots when I was up against it and needed to get the edit out there as quick as possible. Um, a huge thank you to Stack, who have moved heaven and earth um, to get this thing out there and get it the best possible launch it can have, despite my deaverish demands to get it out in time for Halloween. I hope you have a good Halloween if you celebrate that kind of thing. And what else? That's it. Um, I'm done. I'm going to lie down, uh, spend some time with my family. My wife has bought me a really, really big bottle of uh, bourbon, um, which I will have some of tonight, whilst we order Thai food because uh, we haven't done that in a while. And that's what she wants to do to celebrate. And I agree. And yeah. I'm actually, I'm going to watch Squid Game because I haven't done anything apart from sit in front of the computer for a fortnight now um, so I'm sort of cut off from the outside world and culture generally and I've emerged now from my cave and I hear that Squid Game's very good so I'm going to go and watch that um, thanks very much, take care of yourself bye bye Season two of Jackie the Ripper is coming in 2022. Jackie the Ripper starred Paul Waggett as Freddie Abiline, Jennifer Tierney as Donna Swanson, Akushla Tarakupe as Jill Hunter, Adam Jarrell as Henry Smith, Helena Doughty as Sally Maybrick, Amina Karoma as Alyssa Helson, Marta De Silva as Georgie Baxter Phillips, Kareem Confley as Sir Charles Warren, Narlan Burgess as Priya Campbell and Ant McGinley as Jonas Meisen. Jackie the Ripper was written by Joel Emery and directed by Adam Jarrell. This series was produced by Holy Smokes in association with Stack. For more information, follow at Jackie Ripper Pod on Twitter. Jackie the Ripper is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.